curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. This episode of the So You're In Sales Podcast is brought to you by Badger Maps. Do you work in field sales? Then you've experienced what I've experienced, leaving the house, driving around, visiting customers, and popping into potential new accounts without having a real plan of action. It's easy to waste time driving around until I tried Badger. Badger is a route planner for field sales teams, and it can help you sell up to 25% more by optimizing your driving routes and meeting schedule. Cool, right? Badger can knock 20% off the amount of time you spend driving around each day, and that's more time to get deals closed. Badger will also automatically update your customer information in your CRM, so it'll get your sales manager off your back too. Never be late to a sales meeting again and start your free trial of Badger Maps today by heading to badgermaps.com slash in sales podcast. That's badgermaps.com in sales podcast and start your free trial today. There's a lot of tension in the marketplace right now as businesses and business owners are trying to figure out how to capitalize on what is really a massive opportunity because of the ways that COVID has affected the economy and the ways that people are seeking new opportunities in the economy. And yet for many people, they're struggling to be able to take advantage of the opportunity because of a lack of talent on their team. I brought in author Mark Schaefer for his third episode of the podcast for a discussion about this topic and the ways that some of the his books, including Marketing Rebellion, known and now his most recent book cumulative advantage can help a business that is in the middle of that friction figure out a blueprint for success mark is a really dynamic speaker he is a prolific content creator and i find a lot of value in the things that he produces and i'm hoping that you find some value in this episode as well give it a listen i'm so excited this is you're like my biggest repeat celebrity guest at number three like this is the best like you're becoming like a regular thing you're going to be my tony tony kornheiser here pretty soon like you're just- ah! <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm i'm the king i'm the i'm the king of guests the king of all guests <laughs> mark man your content has been so prolific and you know you've got yet another book cumulative advantage that's out right now and we'll, we're certainly going to want to talk about that but there's this little uh, uh, itch that you and I both have witnessed that is going on that we really wanted to kind of pinpoint this morning. And, and if you go back and listen to the last few episodes of the show and how everything is so dramatically different in comparison to those kinder, gentler, more innocent days of COVID and all yeah. of that 
episodes of the podcast that you might listen to back then yeah versus the topics that get covered today right i mean things are vastly different out there vastly different and and you know roger it's this is something that um i've been thinking about a lot and studying a lot and you know on one level on a, on a human level I mean, this is certainly a time for to, to pause and just appreciate what you have. I mean, I had COVID. I got pretty sick with it early on. And so, I mean, that gives you a new appreciation of life. And I had to sort of reinvent my business. That gives you a, a, a different appreciation. And it was a, it, I mean, it was a reset. And what I look at is I don't even look at any data before 2020. I don't, there, I think looking at any research report, before 2020 is fruitless because literally so much has changed. So on a human level, this is really a, a, a hard time. From an academic level, there's probably been no more exciting time to be in business because every time, and this is one of the things I talk about in my book, as you know, is that every time there is a shift in the status quo, a fracture in the status quo. There's a business opportunity. In, in the cumulative advantage book, I call this the seam, right? So look at our world. Literally everything we do to live is being reimagined. Right. How we work, where we work, how we learn, how we connect, how we we, we have a whole new relationship with food. If you can imagine, the number of applications to culinary school doubled this year. Uh. Why? Because people are cooking at home and they learn that they like it and they're good at it. They right. developed a new way to make bread, right? So everything, you know, how we teach our children, how we work out, how we entertain ourselves. And all every one of these shifts is a business opportunity and it, it it is absolutely energizing and exciting there's been no no more fascinating time probably in the history of business than right now and and uh we're in an era of unintended consequences i think we're going to talk about one of those coming up here in a minute mm -hmm. but um we guessed wrong roger about everything going into the pandemic, right? Who would have guessed we'd have a building boom? We'd run out of lumber. Who would have guessed that the, the shelves would be empty of Clearasil acne medicine because people were wearing masks and it made their face break out? We, we guessed wrong on <laughs> everything. And we're going to guess wrong on everything coming out of this, which is a time we need to really listen right now. We need to watch the trends and the news and be mindful of these shifts that mean opportunity. I mean, it's happening every single day. It's happening almost every minute of the day. The opportunities to me seem almost overwhelming. Yeah. that It's almost palpable. Yes, there's like, there's it a, is. Fr friction, right? So on the one yeah. hand, those of us who are entrepreneurially minded can sense the opportunity, and yet most of us are not equipped, prepared, ready to take advantage of those seams that you're talking about because yeah. 
you know, in a in a humming economy, it's a little bit more challenging to find those seams. Yeah. But because this economy is changing so dynamically, those yeah. seams are presenting themselves in magnitude and order on a really regular basis. And it's those of us who see them and say, I got to get myself in that seam, but I need these inputs and maybe my supply chain is broken or doesn't have the staff that it used to have to be able to afford me this opportunity. So, so it's, it's a palpable discussion, right? Where yeah, people are saying like, I sense this opportunity, but I think the other scene that goes along with the ones you've identified, Mark, has to do with employment. Yeah. And this has a lot to do with this. You brought an article to the discussion in the Wall Street Journal about the fact that people do not want jobs in sales anymore. So yeah. you want to you wanna kind of touch on that a bit and we'll peel that one apart and kind of talk yeah. about everything. Before, but before we do, I, I just want to build on your comment because you said okay. something very, very important there that I, I don't want it to get lost is that you're right. When the economy was like sort of stable and booming the 2019 days, we sort of maybe got in a, a groove, right? And we weren't, we, maybe we didn't even have to, re, you know, reconsider what's going on in the rest of the world. And that's, that is the, I think the number one benefit of this cumulative advantage book that when you see the pattern how momentum is created, you'll never see the world the same way again, right? So yep. every, now every time you read a news article or you meet someone successful or you read a case study of a successful business, you'll say, okay, how does this apply to the cumulative advantage book? Oh, yes, I see it. I see it. I see it. So understanding the pattern is the first step to adjusting to this new way of life. So I just wanted to sort of emphasize what you said there. It's very important. Now, one of the things that's so amazing, Roger, I saw someone post on Instagram the other day. I don't know if I want to go back to, to work or move to Italy and start over. Uh -huh. Now, on one level, it's like, ha, 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 ha. But on another level, there's a lot of people really thinking about these things right now. I can't tell you how many professional speakers I've talked to who have said, I don't know if I want to go back on the road. Yeah. You know, I've sort of look what I've lost. I mean, one of the things I've found, I mean, I was traveling virtually every week. Now that I'm staying at home, I'm so much more productive. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. All that time I spent in planes and hotels and airports. Wow. Am I using that time to do, good for the world now, right? And I think a lot of people are, are they've got different goals of what they want in life. I think that some, some of the ideas that are embedded in this article that we, that we looked at that said young people especially don't want to go into sales. Part of it is a maybe a misinterpretation of what sales is, maybe it's a bad reputation because sales means cold calls. It's an unsteady income depending on commissions. Uh, now I want to tell you uh, my stepson uh, recently, he, he graduated from math, his master's degree last April. <laughs> and so he really struggled to find any sort of career. 
and he landed a job in sales. I mean, he is killing it. He's killing it. It's his first job out of college. He's having $20,000, you know, $20,000 a month in, in, in commissions, right? How many, how many people can do that when you're, you know, that age. Right. So, uh, but, but it really is interesting. I think if we didn't have this reset in the pandemic, I'm not sure we'd be going through this existential crisis in sales right now. The fact of the matter is the research shows uh, there, there are more job postings for sales really in the, than any other time in the history of business and they're not being filled. And it's part of because of this, this, this reset. One of the other things that's happening is that because of the extended unemployment benefits, people are taking longer right. to apply and to assess and to choose. They never had that luxury before. Because if you lose your job, you got to find another job. Right Now it's like, you know, maybe I'll take my time. Maybe I'll figure out what I really need to do. I think that weighs into this too, Roger. So what do you think about it? I like to hear your views about how's this going to, how's this going to resolve? It's, it's not sustainable. It absolutely, it, there's so many underlying economic factors that are going to be driven by this gap that we're talking yeah. about right now, because there's not butts and chairs then revenue is not coming into the organization. If there's revenues not coming into the organization, it makes the resources of that organization more scarce. So that's going to drive their buying decisions in a time when most of us are desperate to buy things. And add in the fact that there's this pent up demand from the liquidity in the system and the fact that so many people want to buy things that can't be bought, that's going to drive up inflation. So prices are going to go up higher. So all of these things have a way of weaving into the fabric of the problem. And to me, I was pointing to even pre-pandemic during the boom of 19, there were many people that were just accepting things that they probably weren't completely happy with as business owners or people who ran businesses. Like there were some suppliers who probably really weren't getting the job done. There were uh, customers that maybe were not your best customers, but because business was so good, everybody just focused on getting orders out the door and spent more time working in their business than really working on their business at all. And like when I look at, so we have this amazing crush of uh, pent up demand for talent. And yet, if you look at an average uh, job posting, it looks like it was written in 2002. So in reality, if you have a posting out there from an organization that really hasn't done much to reflect the change since the yeah. pandemic and systemically our organizations haven't taken the time to reconsider the way they might want to cast what it is that the people in their sales functions actually do. Yes. Then you've got people sitting there going, well, why the hell would I want to do that? That sounds right. terrible. Right? That's a very wise observation. Very wise observation that you, we've, you've really got to somehow conform to the culture and the expectations of the, of the workforce. It's being really uh, just sort of uh, you, kind of just shoved at us, right? And we can't necessarily buy our way out of this problem. You know, salary isn't the main thing for a lot of people right now. Commission may not be the main thing right now. If you've gone through a, through a period where 
though your world has been turned upside down, maybe it's stability. Maybe it's the ability to work remotely. Maybe it's the ability to, maybe it's time off. Maybe you, you st you're still homeschooling children. How yep. can I be in sales and homeschool children, right? That's reality. Yeah. And, and so I, I think it's not just going to be a problem that companies are going to be able to buy their way out of. They, they're going to have to make the adjustments to, it's, it's exactly like I said, this is a time to be patient, to connect with the new trends, uh, to, to listen and to learn and to be humble. I think humility is a, is a very important soft skill right now to just say, maybe I don't know everything right now. We're in a yep. different world. I need to be humble and just be patient and listen and learn. Yeah. So it's interesting how um, your books have had a way of sort of compounding one another over the past few yeah. books that you wrote. Because, because right now, I think you could tell people anything you want to tell them in the world about who you are as an organization, and they're going to go ask their friends. What like yeah. what do you think about what do you think about this company? Exactly. What, what do you know about them? Because I think to your point, it's kind of like in our industry, in the promotional marketing industry, almost the entire supply side sales force was let go. This is thousands of people. Wow. Wow. And most of them are in their mid 40s to 60. Wow. And this is all they've ever done their entire lives. Yeah. We've watched these people have to make very difficult decisions about like. There's a very good possibility that the job I used to have will never come back. So what right. am I going to do now? Right. Right. And the answer that I repeatedly get from most of the people that I know who are faced with that situation, they say, well, if I'm going to be broke, I'm going to pursue something I actually love. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's why I think a lot of like the job postings, those aren't things that people would love. Those are just jobs that pay money. So yeah. it's the same job we had in 2019. Right. Yeah. So, so to me, I think there's really there's kind of two, so there's there's two pieces of this. There's the marketing rebellion side that Mark Schaefer wrote that said the marketplace is going to tell you what your message is. So you right. should be listening to it. And then part two of that is known where if you've already established yourself as a brand that has the kind of values that someone who's looking for the thing that they love to do can be found, you're going to have a much better chance of getting not only a person. Yeah but probably somebody who is a little bit more talented than you would have ordinarily gotten and probably who cares a little bit more about the job because their values are in alignment with yours. But if businesses don't take the time, one, to communicate what their values are, and two, create an understanding at the actual day-to-day -day level of what it is you're going to do in a sales job, yeah. I'm going to really struggle. I mean, I just, I don't see it fixing itself. You know, you just, you just spurred a big idea in me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you just really sort of hit on something quite uh, remarkable. So what I was talking about was uh, momentum begins when we look at what are we good at? What are our advantages? How do we apply that to a shift? Now, what if a company became the shift? Uh-huh. All right. So you're saying, okay, here's the problem. We've got all these people. We can't fill sales job. What if we shifted the way we recruit, hire, retain, compensate our salespeople? So we're the, you know, we're creating this shift in how we work. And, and then people come in and fill that seam. 
quite it. I hadn't really thought about it that way before, but uh, why not become the change? Why not become the beacon and, and P and, and create that scene where, where people will be attracted to that. I think that's interesting. In red goldfish promo edition that I co-authored with Stan Phelps, one of the big tenets of the book is this thing called a trust continuum, which is the idea that the journey from no like and trust is from no to like to trust is not a straight line. It's more like a pyramid. Yeah. And most organizations, sales departments have not made a mental shift to help their salespeople recognize that their job primarily is to recognize where they are in the trust continuum with that prospect at that moment. And what are the activities that they're supposed to be doing when they recognize that that's where they're at? That's where sales is today, in my opinion. Uh-huh. And we've not yet at the sales, at the field sales level, we've not been able to create an environment for those people to recognize that that's what their job is. Uh-huh. And so that's why we focused on it so intently in the book was like, look, this is, especially in post pandemic, you talked about humility. We called it humanity. Like if you don't start with trying to get an understanding of where the person is that you're talking to on what happened, yeah, you run the risk of creating, like you're going to get off on the wrong foot right on the first moment. Yeah. So, so if you begin that whole process of understanding, like that's where we start when we are in a weak trust relationship, we got to start with humanity. And if we could just start there, I think, you know, I could build a 12-step program that maybe somehow somebody could then go from no to like to trust by knowing, looking for signs of that evolution on the part of the other person that you're dealing with. And we could just get people there. I think, Mark, we'd be able to get butts in chairs, but more importantly, and kind of what, this is what Marketing Rebellion was really all about. The market will tell you if you're that kind of company. And if you're not, then you're probably going to hear either nothing or something to the contrary, which is even worse. Yes. Yeah. And and I think that's happening a lot right now because if you're not really, it's more than adjusting. It's sort of like morphing (laughs) to to conform to the expectations today. You're going to be anachronistic. I think that's sort of what you're hinting at when you're saying what people are advertising for these days. It's a, you know, it's a 2019 job. And I just can't emphasize that enough is that, you know, if you're, you know, if you've got a culture and a business philosophy based on 2019, you, and, 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 you know, it's maybe it's okay, but maybe it's not, it's, it's really a time to just reevaluate everything. um, And, and uh, see if, if, if the culture is the problem, not the job posting. Yeah. Yep. So, and to me, you know, what better way to figure out where you are culture wise than to sit down all your people in a room and start talking about culture. Yeah. And I think for many, many, many folks, it's kind of like going to the gym. It's like, I know I'm a little overweight. I know that I probably should get to the gym, but that requires something that I'm going to have to commit myself to. And while I do want the outcome, uh, I'm just not exactly sure that I want to commit myself to the exercises that are going to be necessary to get myself to that place. And yet, to rewind the tape all the way back to the beginning of discussion, we said, if you do this, there are seams, people. There are are. money to be had. There's so much going on out there. There really is. It's it's just overwhelming. And I think, 
you know, you have a really powerful message here that, you know, I wrote in the Marketing Rebellion book that your culture is your marketing. Right. Because that's the story that gets out into the world. And so, you know, I, I think I, I think it's an interesting idea, Roger, that really does your does a successful sales strategy depend on really digging deep and evaluating your culture and saying, do we have the right culture? And that has to come from the top. The leader of the company, the person that owns the strategy and the budget, they determine the strategy. So this is a leadership issue. Ultimately, there's no such thing as a grassroots cultural change. Even if you see your company is falling behind, the, 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 the leader of the company has to be the one to, to, to make the changes in, in, in the culture. So it all, it all kind of goes, goes together. So, and I think even for me, like an example, once you get accustomed to having made this shift, right? So I'm sure you can sense from the words that are coming out of my mouth that I'm speaking from like our own playbook. Yeah. And, and it's easier for me because this is kind of the way we built ourselves in the beginning, but how it parlays itself into like actual day-to-day business activity is we have a team of four salespeople right now that are working for us in various capacities. And when I was looking for the talent that I wanted to put into those roles, we said nothing about it being a sales job. Well, we basically positioned it as, as, as those are market research jobs. Oh, interesting. Because we're a relatively young company that needs a lot of data from our prospect base to understand how to better dial in our solutions to solve the problems we think they solve even better. Mm-hmm. And if I can get people actively going out and soliciting the information about the problems that our prospective customers have, then it gives me a chance to then come back to them proactively without them even asking us for it. Something that we've already made that says, Hey, we heard what you said about what your problems are. Does this help? Yeah. Right. And to me, when I can go recruit someone who's curious and ask good questions and isn't afraid to have interpersonal dialogue. And I arm them with the idea of if they tell you no, it's fine. It's part of the research. It has a way of changing the dynamic of that role for the person in a way that has them go, hey, that doesn't sound so scary. You know, and if other organizations can adopt a similar strategy where it's like, well, Yes, it is about bringing revenue into the organization, but is that really what that person does every day? Or is it something different than that? And can you position it in a way that would be more identifiable with this new demographic Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is already somewhat scared of sales or two, people who are in job transition who don't want to go back to boiler room, who don't want to have to make 100 cold calls, right? So it's just a matter of doing the work, in my opinion. Yeah, it gets back again to this big idea that you sort of proposed is how do how do you become the scene? What's going through my mind is the number of uh, people right now who are struggling uh, where, you know, they're going to do homeschooling. So, you know, what if you what if you created opportunities? You know, and it's not for everyone, of course, but if you created a job that said this is the perfect job for, you know, because you can do it any time of day or night. Right. And, uh, you know, this is perfect for a homeschooling parent. Uh, you create the scene, right? You, because you just position this in, in a context that's relevant for our times. I dig it. I dig it. I, um, 
to me, like, I think we just built the case for a whole new company. You're going to write the business plan. No, I'll write the business plan. You're the marketing guy. <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let you market the idea. I'll, I'll get the business plan together and we'll have more employees than anybody else in any other industry. That's right. We could be fueling all these. Yeah. You know, we, we, we could. Yeah. We, we'll, we'll bring in all the salespeople that you need. You got it. You got it. So, Mark. If uh, we wanted to get people in front of cumulative advantage and uh, talk about your blog real quick too. Like I, I think that's in my space. I don't know a lot of people who are familiar with what you do on a blog side of things. So talk about those two things and then we'll let the people get back to their day. Uh, sure. Well, you know, first of all, thanks so much for having me on your show and, and, you know, having this amazing conversation where, you know, I'm taking notes. I'm, <laughs> Some of the things you talked about are going to become blog posts. All right. All right. Uh, so, um, yeah, the book is Cumulative Advantage. And the reason that I wrote it is because, and as you said, it really is a continuum of, of my other work, right? And I think what I've been obsessed with over the last decade is how do you stand out? How can you be seen? How can you be heard in this world of overwhelming information density? And I think a lot of people out there are doing their best work. They're doing great work and they're still being buried. And so we need to consider this idea of momentum. And as it turns out, there is a science, there is a pattern to building momentum. And that's the problem this book solves. It takes research that's been kind of hidden away in sociological academics for decades and it brings it to light. It's well, you know, it's a very well-researched, data-driven book that says this is how it works. The And the thing that's exciting is that to create this momentum, you don't need a PhD. You don't need a million dollars in the bank. You don't need to come from a you know famous family. This is accessible to everyone. You just need to know how the pattern works. Now, the, you know, the blog is something I'm very proud of. Uh, I've been blogging, I think, whatever, 13, 14 years now, I think. And I, I think I, I had a streak of, uh, I've actually blogged 650 weeks in a row. Wow. Uh, and uh, finally decided, you know, I needed to take a mental health break in January. I, I went, to a, went to a beach for a month. Uh, but now I'm back at it, starting a new 650-week streak. Wow. And, and you know, it, I love it. I mean, I just love it. It's a great intellectual challenge because the thing that's in my mind with every piece of content I produce, whether it's the blog, the podcast, a book, or whatever, is I will never let you down. This is going to be a piece of content that is worth your time. It's relevant. It's interesting. It's timely. Maybe it's even you know funny or entertaining. But you're gonna you're gonna like it. It's gonna be worth your time. And to be able to do that on a consistent basis is a is so much fun for me. And I have so many ideas. Uh, I think I have 275 ideas. I've never even written in a blog post yet. Uh -huh. And so I could, so, you know, I got, I, I can't overwhelm people, but it is something that I'm proud of. And you can find that all at businessesgrow.com. Most people can't remember how to spell Schaefer. That's why it's not <laughs> Schaefer.com. Most people can remember businesses grow. And if you can remember that, you can find my blog, my podcast, my books, and a bunch of other helpful stuff I give away for free. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I, I'm not even going to tell you how long I've been reading your blog. The thing that I find uh, to be like 
if I was going to say this to you, it's already been said to you, but uh, the time the woman said that she gets up and re makes her coffee and reads your blog, yeah, that's like, there's just people that you can start your day with if their yeah. message resonates with you in a way that makes you want to come back, right? And uh, going back to that trust continuum, Mark, and then we'll let people go um, on the way from no like, and trust, what we say in weak relational moments, you have to do four things, one of four educate, inform, entertain, or inspire. And I think that your blog does all of those things and that's what makes it so incredibly valuable because when people do more than one of those four, it has a way of making it more sticky in the lives of the people who are consuming it. And I would say that I am definitely in your camp when it comes to you checking a number of those boxes for me on behalf of the content that you create. So I thank you for that. I thank you for coming back again. Hopefully we'll get you back, get you back again sometime soon after the crazy thing in the world happens. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Roger. Well, there you have it. I really enjoyed that discussion with Mark. I always am excited when someone that I really respect tells me that I've spurred an idea in them like Mark did during this conversation makes me feel super good about myself. And I hope that you too got some value from this discussion now, it's really important for us to be able to communicate our value in a way that will resonate in the marketplace. And that communication really probably needs to look and sound different than it has in the past. So if you've not spent some time in consideration about the ways that you might want to alter your message to be a better reflection of where we are in society today, now would be a good time to do that because just like everybody else, you're probably in search of some opportunity and you can see it in the marketplace. It's kind of what we were talking about when we said that there's a lot of tension out there, which equals opportunity, which means that there's chances for all of us to really improve our situation over what may have been happening pre-pandemic. So I hope that this gives you an opportunity to do so. And if you like this episode and you feel like there might be somebody else who might benefit from it, please do me the favor of sharing this episode with them and giving them your commentary on why you think that this conversation might be of value to them. And if you've not done so already, please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers we get, the more listens of the show we get, the better guests we're able to bring in and we can continue to talk about the high quality topics like the one that you heard today. Until the next episode, this is Roger signing off. Go make it a great sales day.